from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Masters in the books. While the PGA Tour probably happy with the results. Plus the Carolina Panthers tipping their pick. Let's get it. I got five on it. So real quick context here. We're having a little bit of a computer difficulty. So uh, I will be li- doing. Little bit. Little bit. Just a Little smidge. bit. So I will be doing the little transitions. So I'll do the. I got five on it. Number five. Quinnipiac wins its first national championship. It's men's hockey. They won three to two over Minnesota on Saturday night down in Tampa. Jacob Quillen scored 10 seconds into overtime to give the Bobcats the championship and, of course, one Skyler Brindamore for Quinnipiac. Raleigh's Skyler Brindamore. Great to see. Uh, We talked earlier this year about how Rod Brindamore looked happy. Yeah. It was one of the wins, and we're like, Joe, what sounds unusual, it was the Rangers win. What sounds unusual here is Rod seems happy and content. Mm Mm-hmm. Which you and I noted, really, you can only go back to like the 06, him holding up the cup yeah. for a competitor like he is to actually be content and be happy. Uh, they showed his face. They showed him down in the locker room greeting the Quinnipiac coach. Mm-hmm. You can give it a third time now that we've seen yeah. Rod Brindmore, Cairns coach, and his son winning a national championship. And he was able to get there. Noon game, mm-hmm. Buffalo on Saturday. He flew down uh, to Tampa on Saturday night, watched the game, checked the whole thing out with his son Brooks, too. I saw that as well. So. Yeah, Brooks, uh, his younger son, who's uh, part of the Junior Canes organization. Um, yeah, look, we, 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 we joked about it last week in the event that Quinnipiac gets to the Frozen Four final. You know, how does it all play out? Well, the schedule worked itself out. Yeah. Even, even if the schedule didn't work itself out, I think everybody would have been understanding at the end of the regular season, yeah, I'm going to go watch my son potentially do something that I knocked on the door but was unable to do uh, in college hockey. Also, Skyler Brindamore was called for a penalty on a relatively clean hit, I yeah. thought, in the first 25 seconds Wait, did of the Rod, game. Did Rod think that eventually the calls would start going the other? They'd get some calls too? Or? Uh, there were a lot of tweets that I saw. They're like, oh, that was a, a call went against Rod Brindamore and his family. What? 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 It was weird because I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I know all of the yeah, yeah nuances yeah. of college hockey, but he, he checked the player. Pretty high-speed collision, but it was on his shoulder. Yeah. But they had called, uh, I, think they, I think they called it incidental contact with the head. So it was a curious. They were able to kill off the penalty. Minnesota did score shortly after that. But I was like, oh, okay. I did watch, though. Now, the Canes are back in action tonight. Uh, They're on the road against the Ottawa Senators. And you can listen to that game on 99.9 The Fan. I know Adam Gold, noon to three here on The Fan. Canes Corner Podcast, Stormwatch Aftermath has a conversation with Rod Brindamore. I'm sure that uh, that comes up uh, as well. So, all right. So the computer's still not working? One of the four, oh. all of the four. I, was like, I don't know if I can remember the them all. <laughs> no, I was actually going to come up. I was thinking about what's some other fours, and I thought about the Connect Four theme song, which, Dennis, I'm looking at the lyrics to the Connect Four theme song. Connect Four. So just three in a row, go for one more, go for it. Too late, Joe, Connect Four. 
So when, apparently, when you say theme song, you mean a commercial? Commercial. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I, I didn't know if there was like an animated Connect Four series that I missed. You know what? At there some, was like a look. A they made a te- fever dream, dude. They made a Tetris movie. So right. at some point, they're probably going to make a Connect Four movie as well. Like the, you're telling me, if we, if we brought people up here to play life size Connect Four, they wouldn't be into that to oh, win yeah. to win a contest. Oh, they absolutely would. Okay. So I thought Jenga too. Either one. All right. So number four. We guess we should get back to this now that the computer is working. So we got that going for us. There we go. So Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens continue this very strange offseason where he is a um, he's a he's he's. He's a franchise-tagged player, but it's a non-exclusive franchise tag. So another team can go in there, offer him something, and then they'd have to compensate the Baltimore Ravens if the Ravens don't want to match that offer. And obviously, no other schools have done this. Schools. No other NFL teams have done this. So we're in this weird impasse between the Ravens and Lamar Jackson in, in contract terms. To the point where people are convinced, and I'm included in this, that Lamar Jackson might sit out this upcoming season if he doesn't get the kind of deal that he wants. So... I find it odd that Odell Beckham Jr. has signed a $15 million guaranteed contract with the potential to make upwards of $18 million with all of the little qualifiers this upcoming season with the Baltimore Ravens. Now, I got a couple questions about this. There's some layers to this. First, My first question is, what year is it? Because if you think you're getting the Odell Beckham Jr. of five years ago, You'll be sorely mistaken. He's coming off of, what, a, how many knee surgeries has it been now? He said, what, two? So yeah. he's coming off another one? He's not the same Odell Beckham Jr. The last time we saw him in his defense was with the Rams. Yes. And he was really, really good. But what was he as a wide receiver? Oh, he was their second or third right. option. Which is what he probably would have been with the Jets, too, if that had come to fruition and the whole Aaron Rodgers thing had played out. He probably would have been their third wide receiver. What is he in Baltimore? <laughs> well, it depends on what your definition of their tight ends, obviously. Right. He's, the, he's option the, number one. <laughs> he's he's their he's their best wide receiver now. Yeah. And they're paying him a guarantee of fifteen million dollars, which is weird because the Ravens have through sources been telling people, Well, we don't want to do this big guaranteed contract and you know, injuries. Uh, uh, excuse me? OBJ's had injuries, so what are we doing here? But this is where things get weirder for me. They're weirder? It gets weirder. Apparently, Lamar Jackson was the one who recruited OBJ to Baltimore. Well, what does that mean, then? Does OBJ sign because he thinks he's going to be playing with Lamar Jackson? Or does OBJ sign because he's getting $15 million and there was no other NFL team that was going to offer him that contract? Because the Jets were not going to offer him that contract. So I'm confused as to what this all means, given the backstory of the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. It's really provocative. people going. I, I don't know what the Ravens are doing. Uh, if they've had communication with Lamar Jackson and he was involved in getting Odell Beckham Jr. there and getting him some help, that's awesome. Yeah. If they made this move to try to help Tyler Huntley, that's awesome. Uh, I, I don't exactly know what they're doing this offseason. I can't tell which one is fooling around and which one's finding out. Yeah. Is it the Ravens? Because... They're in danger of not having their franchise quarterback, or is it Lamar Jackson? Was he was he basically told by the Ravens, oh, you think that's what's your value? Okay, if you can go get that value and other teams will give up two first-round picks for you, then you're welcome to go get it. 
And obviously, it is my opinion that these teams have colluded, not because they don't like Lamar Jackson necessarily, but because they don't want to reset the quarterback market, even though whispers, spoilers, Mm. the quarterback market is continuously reset. Yes. And there's nothing you can do without paying your quarterback. Nope. Sorry. Next up. One, two, three. The NBA regular season has concluded, and we will have the play-in tournament. I don't know how you feel about the play-in tournament, Joe. I like it. it. It does tend to spark interest of teams, allegedly, towards the end of the season. Just don't ask Dallas, who tanked to get out of this, to protect their top 10 pick for next season. They're gone, though. The seventh place games uh, are tomorrow night. We have Atlanta at Miami in the east, Minnesota at the Lakers in the west. And if you don't remember how this works, those seven, eight teams, the one who wins becomes the seventh seed. The team who loses then will play the winner of the nine, ten place games. That's Wednesday's games. Chicago at Toronto in the east and OKC at New Orleans in the west. I, I Listen, I like what the Lakers have been doing of late, mm-hmm. particularly with LeBron back in the lineup. The West is wide open, in my opinion. Are you are you buying here? I am buying the Lakers right now because I don't really know what's going on with the Warriors, who are the betting favorite right now in the West. Yeah. Um, and I don't really trust Kevin Durant in the playoffs. I certainly don't trust Chris Paul in the playoffs. The money's on the table. I will never trust Chris Paul with the money on the table. Now, are people actually going to talk about the playing games, or are they going to be too busy talking about Rudy Gobert punching well, a teammate? Well, and that also helps the Lakers that Rudy yeah, Gobert does. has been suspended for uh, punching Kyle Anderson in a huddle. Yes, at the end of the or in, in you know towards the end of the game. So, listen, I like the, what the NBA has tried to do with, with involving more teams, getting more teams involved. The problem is when you have the Mavericks who are sitting here basically saying, we don't want to play anymore. We would rather have a top 10 pick than risk making a, even a half of a run in the playoffs. That's where you end up with some of the issues that unintended consequences, right? Yeah, the, 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 there's there is an entire topic about the Dallas Mavericks and how the season ended for them going all the way back to... Did they make the move to get Kyrie Irving to sink their regular season so they could tank and then find themselves in the situation no, at the end I of the year? I think that was a last and then, of gasp, course, the ro- desperate plea you know, okay. to try to appease Doncic, who just didn't seem to be in much game shape by the end of the yeah. year or have much interest in playing himself. So they're trying to do what's best for them. I can respect that, but I also it does fly in the face of, look at Oklahoma City, who's in this game in the West. They were a team this year. Remember, they took Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga thinking, all right, we got a guy who can build around. Then he gets hurt, doesn't play at all this year. And you're thinking, oh, they're going to actively tank the same way that the Hornets did, the same way that the Spurs did, the same way that the Rockets mm-hmm. did. And yet here they are because Shea got, uh, Gilgis Alexander had an unbelievable season and the team has done incredibly well and, and will likely beat New Orleans and end up playing L.A. for a spot in the playoffs. I think what the... Mavericks did deserves to be fined. Deser- they, and they will be. It deserves a punishment. You know, the draft. And, and if you don't know the what law- they did, they sat five guys for yeah. their last game when they could have been the 10th seed. But it wasn't even just that they sat the five guys. They basically engineered it to be looking like, oh, we're playing guys on restricted minutes and we're taking guys out. Like, you're taking guys out in the middle of yeah, the game. Yeah, it was Slovenia night and Doncic ended up playing the first half yes. even though he wasn't going to play at all. And then, of course, the second half just became a blowout. They lost the game 
and they because again they're trying they they traded away too many assets to get Kyrie Irving. Yes, the supporting cast. They also let Jalen Brunson go in a free agent deal without getting anything for him, which is eerily reminiscent of the mistakes that they made with Steve Nash. Mm -hmm. And now they're sitting here kind of in scramble mode with how do we keep Doncic? And I think part of what their plan is, is to have that top 10 pick and add an asset through the draft. Next up. And I don't even care who number two is. We're getting closer to the NFL draft. And it maybe seems like the Carolina Panthers are solidifying their position as to who they're going to take. Or at least that's what the insiders want you to believe. I saw this on ProFootballTalk.com earlier today. And Mike Florio aggregated a variety of insiders pointing out that the Panthers intend to take Bryce Young, number one. Last Monday, Peter King gave credence to that possibility. Then Chris Mortensen did the same thing later in the week. And as Florio points out, quote, today, both King and Albert Breer of SI.com add more fuel to the Bryce Young to Carolina fire. Quote, the momentum toward Young is real, King writes. Okay. Breer adds that David Tepper and his wife, Nicole, spent, quote, a good amount of time with Young's parents at Alabama Pro Day. Oh, that's clearly a a sign. And that Young acquitted himself incredibly well when meeting with Frank Reich. Breer also notes that Young did really, really well on a cognitive test aimed at measuring processing speeds for quarterbacks. Tepper, per Breer, is a big believer in this S2 test, this measuring processing speeds for quarterbacks. And you know, we're going to have to take this S2 test now, right? So I have a couple thoughts on this. The first one is, and I have to stick with my overall attitude when it comes to these types of draft stories still a couple of weeks out from the actual draft. They mean nothing. They could be smoke screens. It could just be out there to generate interest in your topic let's get us let's get people talking about us again let's get back in the news cycle and all, and all those types of things so i'm not going to fall for the yoki do all right that being I said i called this fake quarterback drama last week that's what i called this i'm with you on that however there is one consistency throughout this entire process and if i'm a carolina panthers fan i would be concerned okay and that is you can bring 20 different dudes from the front office. You can have Frank Reich, Jim Caldwell. You can, I don't even know. You you can have a seance for all I know. You can have all your committee. We're doing this, doing our due diligence. But what's the one consistency consistency in every single one of these stories? This decision is not going to be made by Scott Fritterer. This decision is not going to be made by Frank Reich. This decision will be made. By David and Nicole Tepper. Every single one of these things is based on what David and Nicole Tepper think, not what the football people think. That's a problem. If the football people are telling you, we want this guy, but the owner and the owner's wife are like, yeah, but this cognitive test I read about or I saw a TikTok on. It says the future of sports has arrived as to cognition. Sure. Delivers a revolutionary approach to helping athletes understand how in-game decisions impact their performance from youth to pro. We need to take this test. Sure. You can take it on online, it looks okay. like. Okay. We'll definitely do that then. But you see where I'm going with this? 
If I'm a Panthers fan, I'm actually dreading this because it's like every other decision with the Panthers has been done by David Tipper, quarterback, and how those things play out. What I'm getting at is maybe we can game this, score really well, tag David and Nicole Tepper, Mm. and become the number one pick. Good NFL draft. I like where your head's at. Because clearly game tape doesn't matter. No, absolutely not. But this test. But this has two cognitive tests. Yes, sir. That means I can do it. Jeez. Next up. Masters in the books. The simple story is that John Rahm won. It's great for him. It's great for his career. It's great for Spain. Then there's a story that no people keep insisting isn't a story, and I disagree. I'll bring that up next. R.I.P. to Al Jaffe. Some people might not know who that is off the top of their heads. Uh, he was 103, I believe, is uh, how old he was uh, when he passed away. Mad Magazine, longtime artist, comic writer for Mad Magazine. Did you read Mad Magazine growing up? That actually explains a lot, Joe. I will, I will base pop culture and intelligence on whether or not you read Mad Magazine back in the day. You missed out. I did. Missed out on that. I did. My dad still subscribed to Mad Magazine. Up until a couple of years ago, even in like in its carcass state of Mad Magazine, it wasn't like the original stuff, but is what it is. So R.I.P. Very, uh, very influential on a lot of people back in the day. So the Masters in the books, and the top story, the main story, the easy story is John Rahm. It's his second major. Uh, another Spaniard winning the Masters. This is huge for that community. It's something that John Rahm talked about after the fact uh, and, and bringing up his predecessors. Hard to, hard to put it into words. Uh, obviously, we all dream of things like this as players, and you try to visualize what it's going to be like and, and what it's going to feel like. And uh, when I hit that third shot on the green, and I could tell it was, it was close by the crowd's reaction, uh, just the wave of emotion of so many things just overtook me. Uh, never thought I was going to cry by winning a golf tournament, but I got very close on on that 18th hole. Um, and a lot of it because of, of what it means to me and, and to Spanish golf, right? It's, it's Spain's 10th major for a player to win the Masters, fourth. And uh, my second win, right, my second major win, it's, it's pretty incredible. And, and to play the way I did today on, on Sunday, uh, only one bogey. You know, on difficult conditions and coming in with a margin, hard to explain. You know, a lot, a lot of pride, and I'm really proud of myself from what I did. So that's John Rahm and and Gilio, We we tend to do this with golfers, and it's happening to Rom, where he seems like he's hitting into some groove, right? Because what was the was the PGA in 21? Uh, he won the U.S. Open. The U.S. Open uh, in 21. And now you've got this at the Masters. And his performance on Sunday was was fantastic. So now we start to think winning majors is not easy. No, it's really not. And we act as though people could just <laughs> reel it off like Tiger Woods. Like, oh, this right. guy's going to win a bunch of them now. He's going to win them in bunches. No, it doesn't happen that way. But we kind of are, are doing this with John Rahm. We, we've done it with Brooks Kepka, who's been dealing, and we'll get to Brooks in a second, who's been dealing with these Thursday, Friday, Saturday looking really, really great. Only to have some issues on a Sunday, and that this happened. This started happening even before he he joined Live Golf and only had to play fifty four holes. Maybe that's why he enjoyed Live Golf so much. He's like, man, I'm I'm having all these problems on Sunday. I don't have to worry about that fourth round of golf when I go to Live. So that that popped up again for 
Brooks Kepka. But I hate that we do this to golfers because we should cherish the fact that just winning one of them is huge enough to act as though somebody might be able to win them in bunches is a rare feat and why you juxtapose John Rahm winning with how things ended for Tiger Woods this weekend, where the charity of his buddy missing a putt so he can get in on the cut line only for him to withdraw because of injury, it really shows you that that ending is really there for, yeah, for Tiger. Well, you, the juxtaposition for Tiger is Phil Mickelson, yeah. who at you know two years ago becomes the oldest major champion at the PGA Kiwa. It shows up persona non grata this year after skipping the Masters last year and just goes out, shoots a 65, shoots a 69 in the second round in difficult conditions, shoots a 65 yet kind of under the radar yesterday and ends up tied for second or by himself. And you're looking at it and you're going, this this is a story that will be celebrated under different circumstances. Yeah. And he's the one who's done this to himself. But there is part of me where you look at the live guys and, and three of the top five are guys on the live tour. And you realize there are entertaining golfers on the live tour. You, you've talked a lot about where are the personalities in golf, mm -hmm. particularly in the post-Tiger world. And I think if anything to take away from the three days that he played from Tiger Woods is we're not going to see him much, much more. If he plays in three more total major championship tournaments, I would be surprised. Yes. If he played in another this year, I would be surprised. This is not me doing an I told you so or looking for a you were right, Joe. Yeah. It was more of crystallizing what I've been saying about Tiger. Let the man live. Well, so this, what not... I'm getting at is because last week it was all oh, Tiger time. What are the chances? Just be happy that he's able to play yeah. well, I think in the there, Masters. There's, there's both. Right. There's yes. the outside expectation yeah. and, and our own wistful, you know, nostalgia where we, we look through a sepia tone lens sure. and go, Hey, wouldn't it be cool if mm -hmm. he could turn back the clock? Because he just did it in twenty nineteen. That was that was prior to the accident. Yes. Uh, the car accident that left him nearly without his leg. You're going he he's also at a point, Joe, where he is going to say, I can't compete at the level that I want to compete at. Right. And eventually he is just not going to plan this. I, I could see him once his son is able to qualify for a major. I could see him saying, you know, I'll use because mm -hmm. he's exempt in every oh, major. Had, yeah, he could, okay. They'll come up with an exemption, but they don't need to though. They <laughs> I don't know they need don't to. need to. So for him, it's, one for, for him, it's okay. I could see him in three or four years if that is the case, mm -hmm. playing at Augusta with Charlie. I could see him doing that. But after last year coming back, having making the cut at Augusta, then struggling the way that he did in in the majors after that, then this year coming back playing really struggling with his putter. Mm -hmm. And that was a thing that on Thursday, he his ball striking was really good, and mm -hmm. he was obviously still fairly, um, by his standard, healthy. But he couldn't make a putt. And he couldn't summon the putt. And that's that's the skill that you lose when you are when you don't play on the tour regularly. You, can, you could live in the greatest golf course community in the world, which he arguably does. He, does, he does, right? You could have your own green put in. You could even put it in in the style of the 18th at Augusta or you know, out at, uh, in California where he's won a million times. But the truth of the matter is there's no substitute for being on the tour week in and week out and honing your craft the way that he did. And he did it better than anybody in the history of the game. So it's hard for him when he can't even do the one skill. We, we've talked a lot about tiger-proofing courses, right? And mm -hmm. Augusta played at a, a distance 
that you, you wouldn't even have recognized when he won it out there the first time he won it in 97. But it's not the length with the, the length and the skill off the tee was never his true gift. It was putting and he couldn't do it. And I think now he's reached a point where you're not going to see him attempt to do it until it is a special circumstance, like I said, perhaps with his son. Did you know that your unused medications could end up in the wrong hands? It's important to keep your medication secure in a locked location, such as a locking box or locking cabinet. When it's time to dispose of them, safety and properly dispose of old, expired, or unused meds by using an at-home disposal product or a medication disposal box in your community. Don't miss out on medication take-back events happening near you. Don't let anyone take what's yours. Lock your meds. Be aware. Don't share. Learn more at lockyourmeds.org nc. I don't know. Maybe it was the uh, maybe the Archers of Loaf is putting me in a '90s mood here, and it's appropriate for for Jillia, who wasn't even supposed to be here today. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Yeah, what happened, man? Like today, like Luis Fernandez was supposed. Today's been a day. Luis Fernandez from WRL was supposed to do the show today, and we were going to make it a complete Cuban guy takeover. Yeah, Lewis was here Thursday. We yeah. had a good time. Yeah, because I know you're incapable of doing a show without a Cuban guy. Correct. So it was going to be... Yeah, you should have seen Friday, man. I didn't have you. I didn't have Cox. Well, so, today, so today's show was originally going to be Ovias and Friends. You okay. Know? Uh, and then you hit me up saying, oh, by the way... Well, I was here. You, you were here to record an interview <laughs> with John Shire, yes. Duke men's basketball coach. And you pointed out to Shire... I came in on my day off. That's right. Like, no, no I, I said I didn't come in on my day yeah. off for you not to break news. And you didn't break news. On this program. You didn't break news. And then, like, what, an hour, 90 minutes after we talked to John Shire, we see the Jeremy Roach news that he's uh, going to go test the NBA waters. Regardless, you weren't even supposed to be here today. Uh, and then you, supposed to be here today. And then you shoot me a text that James, your older son, tennis schedule changed. Uh, now, here's my question. When did the tennis schedule that's change? Great, that's a great question. Here's the thing, though, that I'm starting to figure out now yeah. that I'm getting all of these graduation invitations. Mm-hmm. Unlike you, I don't get, like, 78 days off. So I need to judiciously use these days. Oh, so yeah, I'm man. trying to figure out how am I going to manage all of these things with these graduation well, ceremonies and many, everything else. How many graduation things do you have to go to? I, I'm telling you, they're starting to stack up a little bit. But, like, in what sense? I mean, I know it's been a long time since I graduated from something. Well, but I, they got different parties to go to. There's the actual graduation itself, which I believe is a Monday. Oh, So that, I'm going to yeah, take that yeah. day off because they, they oh, no, schedule we're doing, we're downtown. Totally, we are totally doing the show from James's graduation. That would be his. Derek, we abs- we, if we asked Scott Dupree if they would give us somewhere on the concourse yeah. there to do the show for We them. absolutely should. Because it does start at four. Also, But then I would miss my kids' graduation. <laughs> no, I'll do the show from there. You can walk out okay. when it's time to get clean. I mean, I just got to hear him say his name, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of rude to the rest of the Garner graduating do, class of do 23. You, do you know any of the other kids? I, yeah, I actually class? know a lot of kids in James' oh, class. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. I don't, I don't know. I just feel like James graduating is a big enough deal that we can do the show from there. I'm telling you, if we could get Scott Dupree to get us some sort of security clearance down at the convention center, I'd be yeah. more than happy to do it. Because that would save me another yeah. you know, PTO day. OG's for the children, man. It is. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> we, we've been working on that younger demographic. We so. have. So, and we could, I can th- see the sign now. We're not even there for 99.9 The Fan. Oh, it'll be there. Watch him, man. It'll be for the YouTube. Yes. 
All, and we would get a, the whole entire class of uh, 23 to subscribe. That would be the push. That's that's how that's we convince management. Like, we got to be in front of the kids. <laughs> and that's our future audience. He's going to ECU, right? Yep. So we got to get him to go to ECU and tell him, oh, yeah, but guys, you got to check out what they're talking about. Yeah, that's funny. James is going to be our ECU correspondent. I was going to say, to let people in on the curtain a little bit, yeah. we, we want to do a bit, and we're already look, I'm already looking forward to it. Joe and Joe go back to school. Yeah. So we're going to go to ECU, get some beer pong or whatever we got going on Hell yeah. back in college. Let's go. But you talking about the burrito and, and swaddling babies, I don't know if I could do that anymore. Oh, I could. I, that would, I'm interested in that this summer, too. Maybe that's part of the OG <laughs> Summer Games. <laughs> I don't know if I could convince someone to let us swaddle no. their... No, I know, but we're actually having a show production meeting right now on the air. Yeah. Um, it happens from time to time. Shout out to Alec Campbell. Uh, I don't know if Alec's production there for uh, for a show production meeting is still in the computer. So, expecting dad combine. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, no, but we, we I'm sure there's a lot of guys in our audience who are soon-to-be dads. No, soon-to-be dads. Right. they got kids on the way. And I'm sure they've gone to some birthing classes. They've Although read up on some stuff. Those are not helpful. They're not. But that's not for the you. point. Not the point. Yeah. yeah, you're not there for you. You're there yeah, for yeah. your wife. You're being supportive. Yeah. So, but I'm saying, like, we could teach you how to, to heat up the food. Well, not all kids like the food heated up. Well, we would teach you how to prepare those things. Or we teach you how to clean the bottles. Oh, which by the not even no. I have a no, bottle no, skill. No. You talk about clean. We're actually going to start a new, just an army of dads that will actually change diapers. Oh well, come on, you and I both oh, dad, we could do oh, that. Oh, I I know that. I'm saying, and there's actually a guy in this building who was all like, "Oh, I don't I don't do dirty diapers." I'm trying to think. Oh, be Lord. No. no, live on the air. <laughs> There it is. What do you want to do tonight? The same thing we do every night. Try to take over the world. There's show production meeting on the air. So, no, there's a there's a there's a dad here in the building that just says like, "Yeah, I don't do poop diapers." I'm like, "Then you're not a real man. I'm sorry." Like, you can have all your tactical baby camo gear and all sort of stuff. I'm a real man. Yada yada yada. Drinking my manly beer, but you won't touch poop. False. You're not a real man. Anyway, Jake, I'm getting worried. My house hunt's taking longer than expected. We've made so many offers and keep losing out. You could really use the JAG Advantage. What's the JAG Advantage? The Jim Allen Group, number one real estate team in the state since 1996 with the largest inventory of home sites in the Triangle, 11,000. And they rep more than 65 communities. The Jim Allen Group? Oh, I get it. The JAG Advantage. Score with the Jim Allen Group at thejagadvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity.